Stud CITR 101.9 FM. It's been a while since I've been live in the studio. 
Uh, it's uh, It's been a crazy month, but I'm happy to be back. A lot of pre-recorded. Sorry, folks, for neglecting my duties. Sorry, Dad. Maybe. No, I'm not sorry. Uh, today is a little bit of different ink studs. It's not just straightforward me and one person chatting. It's me and a whole bunch of people chatting. I have in front of me, Brandon Graham. Hello. Michael DeForge. Hello. And over the phone, I have Frank Santoro. You know? <laughs> Holla. Uh, unfortunately, Frank is not in Vancouver. You're in... Is it Pittsburgh? Oh, it's gonna Pittsburgh. Make Pittsburgh. The uh, the home of the Steelers. Steelers. There we go. It feels Holla. like we're doing a seance, and like Frank is is Frank's the ghost. Exactly. That's not my hand you're grabbing, Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So um, the kind of uh, the premise of the show. I'll try and kind of give an idea, and then Frank will add to it. I guess uh, it was Michael was coming to town to visit Toronto boy. We're in Vancouver. Brandon, my neighbor, talk about comics too much. If you want to know a good time, hang with us at 2 in the morning and talk about the difference between Neil Adams and Paul Pope. <laughs> yes, we do that. About it's sad. three inches. Oh. <laughs> 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 my favorite quote from uh, Howard Chaykin. I don't even know if I should say it. I probably won't. Something about Neil Adams that wasn't very flattering. Uh, you want to hear good stories, talk to Howard Chaykin. Um, and Frank... Uh, Frank and I always kind of we talk about where comics are and what we like and what's interesting and what's exciting right now. One of the exciting things is the fact that we've got these really new, diverse styles that seem to bring a lot together. And Michael and Brandon are very much that's something they really emulate. Uh, both guys who are schooled in the world of comics as comics themselves, as well as another person who's not in the room but about ten feet away, James Stoku, who is probably going to come and slap at the window but we only have two pairs of headphones so sorry james i'm sorry um he's being punished he's being punished he's drawing a six foot tall galactus page right now but you should say what he draws he oh, draws i should say all their comics in fact yeah. james draws orc stain from image as well as wonton soup from oni and brandon has king city and multiple warheads pillow fights and elevator Perverts of the Unknown. Perverts of the Unknown. <laughs> and from uh, Meat House, his uh, lady just won a Russ Manning Award. Yeah. Yeah. And Michael's... Is she credited as me. his lady on the... Oh, what's comic? her name? Marion Churchland. <laughs> oh, yeah. Go. She has a name. Yeah. <laughs> his lady. That's not what he calls her. Um, and Michael's series, Lose, as well as a whole slew of different minis, including Cold Heat Special 7? I think I'm number 7. Is it 7, Frank? I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> and Frank has Cold Heat, Storyville, and Encanto, and I'm forgetting one. Yeah, Camaro. Yeah. There we go, Camaro. Um, all completely different cartoonists. You guys do all completely different work, but you all have one thing in common. A disgusting obsession with comics. So, Frank, do you want to kind of add some sure. of your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I'll speak for myself, but... You know, I think, to me, something's happening where I'm seeing just, like, a different kind of work on the stands. And maybe it's from working at a comic book store, but, you know, there's always been this kind of art comics thing, and people define that differently. Art comics can be Chris Ware and Dan Klaus, but when I think of art comics, I think of Kramer's Ergo and stuff like that. And, uh, and then there's mainstream comics, but, 
you know, there's a lot of people doing a lot of different work right now. It doesn't really fit into either of those camps. And I don't, you know, pretend to want to make up a word or something that's going to uh, be an umbrella to cover all that. But for me, it's fusion. You know, it's like, and to me, it's just this, there's this hyper kind of text version of influence right now, you know, because if you think about something like Frank Miller's Ronin, which came out in 1983, you know, he was really mashing together like a, was it Goski Kojima, uh, Lone Wolf and Cub style and a Mobius style, and he was sort of privy to that stuff and being in New York, it wasn't really published much in America, and then 10 years later you have, you know, 1993, you have Paul Pope, and he's assembling, you know, kind of a world style the bigger library, you know, and he's got like, uh, you know, whatever, Hugo Pratt, and that's being published by Catalan, and Viz did Crying Freeman, and uh, Kira came out within that time. And then if you jump ahead another 10 years, you know, you have these Tezuka reprints coming out. And so I think, and then everyone, by 2000, everyone's connected to the internet, and so you have this sort of like, just, you know, I don't know, salad bar approach to, to influence now. And I think it's coming out a lot in the work. It's not basically mainstream. It's not basically, you know, alternative. Because even in alternative, there was like a tradition where you sort of kind of, everybody was looking like Chester for a while, like in the late 90s, early, mm -hmm. or late 80s, early 90s. And, you know, so to me, that's what's interesting and like these I don't want to call them throwback styles because like when there's a when there's a new when there's a fusion of these styles like there's something really new it's like sampling and you're bringing something new to the table so to see you know I don't want to say what I think Brandon is sampling but I see Mobius I see Von Baudet and I feel like that's a really fresh combination that feels very current and very much part of the times right now and somehow just reflects the times and i just you know his style like is a mainstream style in a lot of ways but it's very you know borrowing from very wide like a wide net of influences that i think is outside of the mainstream so that's my riff you know that's, that's a nice riff and thank you thank you <laughs> do you want to respond to that at all brandon Oh, I, I liked it at all it's really um it really it really touches on a lot of cool things i was thinking about something incredibly douchey i was actually while you were saying that, I was like remembering being 19 and hanging out with this is so horrible. But I was hanging out with DJs, and I was so amazed by them taking different elements from different songs and just doing that. And it's really douchey, but I was thinking about that because the idea of being an art DJ is pretty much the worst thing I could bring up. <laughs> but um, well, at least you do it well. Yeah. Wicky wick. Recca recca. Yeah. Um, I was joking with Robin aside that um, have you ever seen the comic fusion, Frank? Yeah. Yeah, I always think of that whenever you talk about comics fusion. I think of like it was in like the the eighties this um Oh right, I know what you're talking about right fusion. It was like Steve Galaci and Leela Dowling and a bunch of furry artists trying to do a mainstream, like half furry, half science fiction comic. I remember that, like, yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm doing. Oh yeah. <laughs> I guess um the idea of fusion, if I I'll speak for my own observation, is the is the kind of nexus is the fact that you are trained on comics, right? Like, you guys read comics. You read a lot of fucking comics. Yeah, um, it, just, it just seems to make sense to, like, throw everything exciting in there. And, and especially now, like, me and Michael were talking about right before we went on about how when you're at a, a position where you're doing comics because you love doing comics and not because you're, you have to do comics to pay the rent or whatever, then it changes the work and it becomes your art. 
and I think you just throw everything into it and you don't have to appease an editor at all anymore. Can I jump in for yeah, yeah. Because, like, you know, because with Brandon, you know, when I look at his old work from let's say 2000, 2003 and uh like it's very similar, but it's more, you know, it's more refined now. The backgrounds are taking over a little bit more. There's more information. But what I find really interesting is sort of like I don't know if the audience caught up to sort of like Brandon's POV or like it's just, you know, maybe it's the new series being, you know, like series coming out from Image and not like a manga that kind of maybe got lost in the shuffle on the shelves. But it's, to me it's really fascinating because it's, I don't know how, you know, the work is from what, 2007, Brandon, 2006? Oh, yeah. And so, you know, to me it's really interesting because it still feels very... You know, like an art, like, you know, Cold Heat to me seems, I don't want to say dated, but it's like it's a very 2007 comic. You know, it's like a, like the window's sort of closing to me, for me on that, you know, POV. It's like the underground's ending or something. And, you know, like what I see more now of like, and especially with Michael's work too, is is that there's a, there's like a different set of, influences like that are quickly being assembled and i don't know how much of that is the audience catching up or it's just this kind of like dovetailing of everything together but you know there's i want to say like you know loose to me looks more polished than most art comics if you will like it's it's rough in the drawing but the, a lot of the presentation is very clean the story there's a you know number two there's a very distinct and moving t- you know story there and so, you know, I just would like to hear what those guys have to say about, like, what formed them in the last, you know, five years that's different from, like, a 2006 POV or something. You know? Well, I think, Ma- Michael... Yeah, well, I think, like, what... Like, I, I feel like me and a lot of my friends who are around the same age grew up, like, uh, we didn't... There wasn't really a division or as much. Like, uh, for a while, there was just superhero comics for me, and then there were suddenly, like, comics that weren't that, and that was everything... Like, it was everything else, so we, like, uh, I don't know, like, when working on Lose, I wasn't thinking about what influenced me past maybe some, some, like, Japanese horror comics and stuff, but, like, I feel like a lot of people are just working on it, um, uh, and not really paying attention to what tradition or camp it is, and, like, that's a way more common thing, so I don't think it, uh, a lot of the time it's even a conscious thing, like, what, what we might be drawing from, it just... We happen to come up in a time where we can draw from everything, and and uh, like we were talking about earlier, how you can like take anything from the internet, and you can take it from any country or any time period. Right. Um, and it also be like it feels like for art comics people uh, specifically, because of uh, Fort Thunder, there's not as huge a stigma against doing genre work or reading genre work. So suddenly, like, everything is open to you, and you can incorporate anything you want into it. Yeah, and the readers are so much more open now. So it's like, especially with Fort Thunder and, like, Paul Pope coming before, it's like those guys really showed people that these different influences can be cool. And so readers are, you know, I mean, I, I was doing comic books in, in print back when Pope started, but he really did it really well in a way to kind of excite people and, like, you know, be a really good hype man. Was that was an influence of yours at all? Uh, I didn't come to Pope till later, actually. Uh, yeah, I probably came to Pope through other Meathouse artists, maybe, or, like, I came to him, like, through other people, yeah. Right. I was listening to the old interview with you, and you are talking, it was interesting, you talking about how you didn't at first realize that, that, um, that the Fort Thunder guys and, like, Gary Panter were from different eras, and I think that's really cool, just, like, it's like you've just got this gumbo of good art 
Yeah. And you're just pulling whatever you like from it. Well, it's definitely the the salad bar analogy that you had there, Frank. Um, you know, that's that's what I was really interested with Michael because Brandon, you've been stewing in it for quite some time. Stewing in my brew. <laughs> oh man, I've smelt that brew. Not pretty. Uh, but Michael, you've kind of, you know, you have that interesting angle coming at it where it's like everything's available to yeah. you and you can kind of pick and choose. Well, and even the context that you're getting it in, like uh, Frank, you've been you like you you for the past few years, you've been writing a lot about um, like weird old comics from the '80s underground boom, and like people are coming to that as if they're approaching an art comic instead of approaching it like as an old back issue. So they're yeah. reading that like the yeah. same way they might read something, yeah, by some like crazy silkscreen book because the colors are weird and there's a lot of funny stuff going on or there's interesting layouts or yeah. And yeah. the dialogue being open now is really exciting too. Like how, how Frank's really been pushing this this thing about you know just just liking comics. It's so much cooler because it seems you know before the recent era it seems like we're living in a two party system and now it's just kind of breaking down where people are like maybe I want to talk about Moon Knight. And <laughs> talk about raw <laughs> well what's interesting though is that when you talk to a lot of the creators the conversations are more about these works and it's almost like talking to musicians about finding old obscure garage records or something and and they're talking about like assembling not just so much assembling influences but like you know when you when you not open the dialogue to that but like just the conversations i have with like brian chippendale are about you know marvel comics and that's not something to take away from the you know the serious intent of his work or anybody's work but you know a lot of it has been this so much this demand for comics to be serious or to be to have like um you know worthwhile narratives or something and i just read this great kyle baker interview and kyle baker is one of my favorite you know cartoonists of all time and he's just like i have this conversation with gary groth all the time where you know comics are supposed to be an art form and should be considered as fine art and he's like i think that stuff has its place but for the most part he he's talking about i know there's i'm <clears throat> there's a difference for me when i'm doing a Captain America comic or reading a Captain America comic than when I'm, you know, reading some serious piece of literature or reading mouths or something. Like, I know what I'm doing. Like, I know what I'm reading. I'm aware of, like, what I want as a reader. And, like, a lot of the old comics that, you know, we talk about and stuff is, to me, that's the conversation. Like, when I look at Brandon's blog or something, you know, he's posting about all these old comics he likes and stuff he's into and it's so vast and then like you just realize like that's the supercomputer that's making somehow making his comics and like i might make these really <laughs> you know like i might make these kind of romantic comics like chimera or encanto but i wanted that's like i'm doing that on purpose like i that's what i want to do as a creator i'm just the stuff that i might want to read as a comic might not be necessarily what i want to do as a creator too so yeah, that makes you sense. know that's a wide you know array of influences and stuff that then is influencing the way i would do a weird romance comic or something we so to me that's what's fun Oh, excuse me. Uh, we were talking earlier today about how uh, how a big a big important part of of making comics for me is just forgetting that there's a reader and just doing it for myself. We were talking about Kyle Baker earlier to bring it up. I yeah. was just I, don't, I feel like he doesn't even know how good he is because he's doing like like him like the idea of the guy who did Wade Saturn doing like 
you know, some computer Deadpool comic is fucking ridiculous. <laughs> but <laughs> it's this, fucking this crazy because if you listen to what he, or, you know, I just read this great interview. There's that Modern Masters that uh, whatever Tomorrow's puts out yeah. or something. And there's this, I mean, he's so deadpan about it. He, you know, people are like, why I hate Saturn? Why I hate Saturn is your calling card, isn't it, Mr. Baker? And he's like, I guess kind of, but, you know, that's the, the same year Dick Tracy came out and everybody bought Dick Tracy. Nobody bought Why I Hate Saturn. So I do all these different things. And, like, I do a Nat Turner comic so that then I can have the opportunity to do a President Obama comic. And, like, he he just gets it. Like, his dad was an av- advertising guy, and, like, he just kind of switches it up for the job. And he talks about using computers because paint takes too long to dry. Right. You know, so, I mean, it's a very realistic approach. And, you know, and he is so good. And sometimes I wish he would just slow down and do one really great comic, but that's what I want. You know, that's not what he wants to do as a creator, necessarily. Well, I think you also get tied into the uh, financial expectations of a creator where none of you guys have kids to support. Right. right. Yeah. You know, yeah. and it's that, and that comes into, like, where you, this mentality of you have to keep creating, you have to keep creating. And some people are able to do that. That was, you know, what Kirby did. You know, that whole depression mentality that sunk into his head that really pushed him to be so continuously creating, you know, doing 20 hours at the drawing board. Um, and it's a life lesson that not all people are able, I guess, to ingest. Sure. But then what's interesting about Kirby, just to stay on the Kirby tip, is like then like he does autobiographical work, so to speak, within these mm. cosmic narratives. So even though it's, quote, genre work, he's still telling his story in a lot of ways. Like, Well, that's what I'm saying. It, Kirby is ahead, kind of yeah. the... You know, right, and it's really cool how he. I, I think a lot of people. I mean, it's brought up a lot just how Kirby didn't really reach his peak until he was like a middle-aged man or even older. And like, I think a lot of it was like his initial getting used to drawing comics was was because he had to to make a certain amount of money. And then after a certain point, he was just like, "This is just what I do." And it became his art kind of after that. And when he like forgot that it was that big of a deal, he was turning a page out. Do you think you do autobiographical comics? Do you think you guys do sort like? Because I feel like when I re- even read King City or Loose, like Loose, like it's just it's sort of a there's some sort of sense of autobiography that comes through there. Is that is that crazy? Well, I, I do. I mean, I do some that are like overtly autobiographical, but I feel that way with with all my comics where they yeah they reflect really something specific. And I like Kirby is a big influence on me, even though I don't think it shows up in my actual drawing at all. But one of the things I appreciate is how, like, um, it's like he's working in a genre and he's, like, working in, it's like a code. And his language just happens to be, like, like fists in your face or something. <laughs> but what he's actually he saying, yeah, like, what he's actually saying is about, you know, getting old or, like, uh, what's it, like, the creative process or utopian culture. And he's doing all this stuff. But just, like, that's the language he's writing in. Mm-hmm. And that's something I think about a lot, like, how... I might use a horror comic to write about something else and just like the horror stuff is just like it is like beats in a song or something not to use that DJ thing <laughs> we're stuck on it now. yeah I I'm, I'm, I agree with you on that. I'm definitely uh, my stuff's pretty much straight up autobiographical in my head and it's just the way that you think about things because I, I even to get something where it's like all right I have this thing in a story that I need to convey and you know maybe it's just like a cyborg werewolf but in my brain, I have to relate it to something. And I'm like, this cyborg werewolf is totally my ex-girlfriend. <laughs> so it just, it's just art therapy in a diary. Do you guys have a sense of catharsis when creating certain works? What's that mean? It means that you're kind of like releasing 
tension trauma through your work no oh, yeah, yeah like uh yeah like that's sort of like what prompts me to do anything but like uh yeah like i feel a lot of the time it's about something really specific and then i almost even though like like no one's going to associate what i'm actually drawing with it unless like they're actually they actually like, know me really well i feel like i have to take all these steps to to even make it not seem that way like i'm not just venting about something or if i'm not just like trying to get through something that's clearly you know yeah not pulling an obvious joe matt sure right yeah and i think the sincerity of something definitely comes through hmm. like i can read your stuff and feel like that you know there's emotion behind the behind the drawings uh, thanks <laughs> yeah i think there's a sincerity in all of it like there's it's it's a very like i feel like Luz and king city you know are very they're not ironic they're really not ironic at all, you know, and it's like a very sincere. Yeah, I almost feel like comics are past irony now. It's like that whole like, oh, we're not cool. It's like, nah, they're they're fucking awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was really interesting to see. Uh, there was that like uh, the Panorama McSweeney's paper. Yeah, and um, I liked I, I liked the Tamine strip in there, and I liked all the strips in there. But the Tamine strip was like a it was like a superhero parody, and the superhero was named Optic Nerve, and like even that felt like. Like, because he was doing, like, you know, there'll be a weird subversive take on superheroes, but just the fact that it was kind of a straight-up parody or a straight-up joke about it felt kind of like a comic from 15 years ago. Like, <laughs> right. yeah. It was just like, oh, right, like a superhero joke. Like, I do superhero jokes, but I'm not sure if it's the same thing. But, yeah, it, it feels different when, yeah. One thing I read once... Um, which is kind of like the opposite of you guys. Because, I mean, you're all very... You're reading lots of comics. You're very voracious readers of comics. And you don't seem to have limits. As I read somewhere about how Chris Ware had never read Cerebus. Right. Oh, that's some, that reminds me, actually. I wanted, to, I wanted to bring up a point about how... When, when Frank was talking about this kind of new type of comics, I was thinking about how something that's really been exciting me lately is stuff that, like, my girlfriend does. You know, Marion Churchland. She, she, when I met her, she wasn't really that deep in comics. And I met her, and I was like... You know, you're you're obviously really into like you know Mobius and Andre Juilliard and all this stuff. And she was like, who? And it's just that she was really well educated in you know she's like reads Shakespeare and reads like all these actual novels. And she brought that to comics. And on the kind of flip side of that, there's guys like Corey Lewis who's really into Street Fighter, and he brought that to comic. And so you have these guys coming in, they're doing really amazing work that don't have that that knowledge of history behind them, and, they, and the work doesn't suffer, which is weird and goes against all of my beliefs. There's but it's exciting to me. <laughs> well, video games are a weird thing that's been like. There's a number of artists who are clearly are clearly influenced by video games. Like, not just like you know Corey Lewis and Brian Lee O'Malley, but like uh, right. I always find it interesting how like the thing that appealed to me about Matt Brinkman at the first time is how much it reminded me of video games I was playing. And like, uh, yeah, there's something. I think there's like a generation that grew up with video games and a generation that didn't really care about it. Well. Chippendale must have played Shinobi for hours on end. Right. <laughs> but then what's funny, though, is that all the, like, those art comics that you're mentioning, like, and they, you know, and, and I don't want to, I'm not lumping Fort Thunder and everything together as one thing, but it's just like a lot of that feels like, you know, comics for teenage boys in a way. You know, there's this, like, boys comics term being, like, floated around. But right. Let's like, just drop that me, term. But what's interesting <laughs> is, like, just to bring it back to King City, is like, I've just noticed at the store, you know, a lot of girls 
like King City and read King City and whether it's the cat or whatever it is, but there, it's like, it's almost like the comics, it's like discovering girls, you know, it's like there's more emotional twists and turns, it's like, you know, combined with the action and you just, you're there, like, you know, you went from like being a teenage boy, like, I'm playing video games and reading comics, damn it, to like, oh shit, girls, you know, and, and then all of a sudden now it's like the cat and he's, he's watching soap operas and like, I mean, that shit is... It's so it's way more polished in the narrative sense. Like, and I'm not taking anything away from Brinkman or anybody. It's just like it's a that's a it's apples and oranges. It's just like it's something I'm just feeling or noticing. You know, like girls don't really read multi-forced. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, so. <laughs> and it's kind of like it's it's fucking awesome that girls are just reading comics in general now. It's like. We're we're past the point. Like I was I was hanging out in a Seattle convention recently with just this group of just amazing female comic artists, and a dude came over and it was it was sitting at the image table, and another dude came over and took a photo and like, dude, all these hot chicks were reading your comics, and I was like, I was just talking to other artists. <laughs> it's like the scenes changed so much. It's really exciting. Come on, Brandon, don't don't deny King City. Come on, that's no, girl I, magnet, man. It's, it's Come for on. the bitches, clearly. <laughs> no, no it is, I, I think that the audience has changed a lot. And, you know, and it reads, I feel like my stuff is really male. I mean, I, I've read reviews where people are just like, this dude's into ass. And I'm just like, oh, shit, I put that in the book? <laughs> I'm going to do a quick song break because we're about half past the hour. Uh, I'm going to play a little Funkadelic for Mr. Frank. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Off a of maggot brain. Epic. And, uh, you know... Funkadelic is a fusion in itself in some ways. We'll be right back. Inkstead, CITR 101.9 FM.
back. Inkstead, CITR 101.9 FM. That was uh, Super Stupid off of Maggot Brain by the most wonderful Funkadelic. Um, it's going to let people know a little stuff that's going on uh, with moi, avec moi. Um, you can, Inkstead's going to see a little change in the next while, hopefully of improvement. Uh, today is my last day of school. Brandon's been hearing me go out this ad nauseum. Uh, after we finish this talk, I'm going to go do an exam. Yay, school. So my plans are, uh, as the book is finishing up, which will be out in October, and is in previews, page 252, um, to try and re I really want to expand and really get a lot more in-depth. So I've been holding off and interviewing a lot of folks because I really want to be able to spend the time to research. So I think you're going to see some good, some good positive change in things. It's getting better. I'm hoping. And if I don't get better, who cares? You can do it. You can do it, Ricky. Uh, so, like I say, Inkstud, CITR 101.9 FM in Vancouver. I have with me Brandon Graham of King City fame. Michael DeForge. Hello. Of Luz. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Peter... Spider-Man stream? Peter's oh, stream? Oh, yeah. Peter's muscle. Peter's muscle. Oh, yeah. That was awesome. Oh, I didn't turn your uh, mic on. Thanks. Sorry about that, bud. Oh, it's okay. <laughs> uh, and over the phone, we have Mr. Frank Santoro... Uh, the the riffer himself from Comic Comics, Cold Heat, and many other things. How are you, gentlemen, doing? Good, good, good. Don't make me mad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, great! That's gonna be the rest of the thing, eh? No, I'm not gonna die. Bill <laughs> Cave, Bill Cave gave me such shit about that last time. <laughs> uh, now, Brandon, you had something you were saying you wanted to jump on. Oh yeah, I, I listened to um, last night. Was I was I was about to fall asleep. I was listening to everyone's Ink Studs um, things before, and I really I really liked your last one, Frank, when you went oh, off on the rant about about kind of the ivory tower cartoonists. And and I have the thing I always talk about where I feel like the '90s was this like comic book war that like killed all of our fathers. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just like and, you know, in the '90s we all had like like. I feel like I'm very much like the Paul Pope generation where he just kind of was doing such ex more exciting stuff in the 90s than anyone else and I was just so amazed at the work he did and he's not part of the community at all. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't mean, like call him out or anything, but just in general, yeah, no, there's I no... Mean, but it's just like, it's tough because, you know, I mean, he, you know, I'm not trying to say he's peerless, but I mean, like, dude is sort of off the chain, you know, I mean, he's no, definitely... I, I, I totally agree with that, but it just, the, I almost feel like what you do and what I do on my stupid live journal is just about, like, like, kind of us being, like, you know, where are the, where are the, like, mentors? I guess we got to do this ourselves, you know? Yeah, no, well, I mean, like, it's weird, like, you know, with great response, well, you know, with great power comes great responsibility, and, like, you know, I mean... It is weird because, like, you know, these things that you sort of just half-ass say on a blog now, then people will fight over for, you know, days and... Yeah, I'm almost done reading comics comics. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I mean, you know, it's just, it's, it's just funny, like, to me, like, I, but nevertheless, like, there's definitely, like, a more, you know, fervent, you know, continues to be this fervent conversation, and, like, the community is what it is. Like, that is, you know, we have... You know, it's not the best possible world, but, you know, definitely, like, we can at least, like, hang out without seeing each other once a year at shows, which is what it used to be. And you, you used to have to fucking write postcards to people. So, I mean, it's better. It's just, like, with, it's a bummer. Like, Pope, you know, everyone, like, reads his blog, and then you just wish he would just kind of riff more or do stuff. But, you know, it's a different, he's kind of a, of a different generation, too. Like, he's a little older, like, you know. Being on the computer all the time is not necessarily, I think, you know. Yeah, and it's, what, it's, it's not sexy. And it's not necessarily <laughs> just him. It's just that generation. I feel like, like, 
like I wish Dave Sam wasn't crazy, you know. <laughs> like mm. there's so many amazing cartoonists who we just don't have. You know, like if Kyle Baker was a little bit more out there doing work that, you know, and I know like we said he's got kids and he's got, you know, he's got to do the Deadpool stuff. But it's just like I, I kind of miss that. Like I want, you know, I want that generation. I hear you, but you know, you, I mean, and I'm not trying to sound, you know, uh, corny or anything, but you know, you're making your own generation. You're, you know, we're trying to do our own thing, and so it's like, yeah, it's really exciting. I'm, I'm thrilled about comics right now. I, I think, yeah, that, I mean, so it it's, possible. it's just like, it's, I, I want that old sense of community too, and like, I think, especially with Comic Con just passing, and like, sort of the, you know, Scott Pilgrim takes over the world. You know, movie. You know, everything is just like a, you know, a pitch to the movie deal, and a lot of the complaints I've been seeing recently is just like. I wish it was just back to comics and comics, 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 and like, and I'm into this, but I'm like, I'm having my own difficulties because honestly, like, I'm, I'm such a print guy, but I, you know, I'm frustrated with like, even if I made some great limited edition book, like the way I really wanted to make it, I could only get it to a few people, and I'm sort of shut out of the direct market. You know, I know Michael from the circuit. You know, right. I know mm. King City through the direct market, though. You know, and so, and then. You know, like, I'm sort of shut out of the direct market, like, but I use the blog to, like, get the word out. So, you know, it's this really weird time right now. And then, you know, I have friends like, you know, Tom Scioli and Ed Pisker who are just, like, they're just doing web comics, and that's what they're going to do. And yeah, that was interesting seeing, because um, I, I got all the WYSIWYG graphic novels at Beguiling a few weeks ago, and, like, they're awesome, and then I, you know, went to look it up, and to see him redrawing it all for a web strip, I wasn't sure what his motivations were for it, but I just thought it was really striking to see, like, these amazing graphic novels, and I'd, something that I'd keep, like, I, I'd enjoy reading in that sort of serialized mm -hmm. installment, and then, like, I'm, I'm happy to read it as a web strip, but it was really striking to see that. I think Eddie's just trying to come at it from every angle, you know, and he redrew some of the stuff just because he wasn't happy with it. You know, that was years ago that he did the first issue, so he was just trying to, you know, but it's like, you know, he didn't go full on Chester. He didn't totally redraw. <laughs> every time anyone says Chester, I think about that way that he draws himself masturbating. Of course. <laughs> full on Chester. Do yeah. It's called doing the Chester. Yeah, exactly. But, but one, it's cool how much, the, we were talking during the break about how much the, um, the internet has changed the community of things. And Mike, Michael, like, doesn't have any cartoonists necessarily in his town that he hangs out with, but he but he can communicate with all these people all over the world, and that's kind of and it's cool that like, you know, if if you're into this stuff, like you know, like your stuff, Frank, like you can find it if you want to find it, which is which is awesome. Like, it, it, it you you saying about distribution remind me of this. This great Karis one, um, he did a he did a talk where he's a rapper that I'm deeply in love with, but he did this talk where like he went in front of a, a whole you know gymnasium full of full of students and he said. I'm only talking to like three of you guys. <laughs> the rest of you just don't have to pay attention. And I feel like that's kind of how it is about comics. Like, sure. you put out like you know 500 comics, and if if three guys saw that, that like we're the next generation of cartoonists, that like it's it's a really exciting idea how much influence. You know, I think about a lot of stuff that like some of my favorite comics. Like, I'm the only one I've known that read them. You know, like Zooniverse and a lot of Matt Howard stuff. It's like I can't even get my friends to read that stuff. <laughs> well, it's crazy as you did that post on the Studs blog. And, like, three people said, oh, I went and ordered Zooniverse. Oh, yeah, that's awesome. That's crazy. <laughs> right. <laughs> what can I get for 63 cents? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Mile High. <laughs> um, no, I mean, yeah, I, I saw Karis once speak once, too, and he's totally amazing. Like, you know, he's a huge influence on me, too, just because, just his, but that was just, like, hip-hop back in the old days, too, right? You know, there was, like, five hip-hop acts, 
that you knew about, and they were all very distinct. Right. And then, then it becomes like, you know, the, the fences are in place, and everyone's going to, they're wearing their baseball caps this way, they're singing this way, you know, and same with hardcore, same with every genre. So, like, part of, you know, the three people that he's talking to or whatever, like when I was doing Cold Heat, like I was making it for Dan, for Ben, for Brian, for Christopher, for, like, my five friends, right. and then that was fun. And, like, it's one. That, <laughs> Wait, what? Hey, you're making it for those guys and Karis one. Yeah, right. I wish. Did you ever see Break the Chain? Come on, it's like oh, yeah, yeah. I have, it's actually on my desk right now. Break the Chain. Frank's <laughs> talking about a, a comic book that Kyle Baker did with Karis one, where it came with a tape, and every time that you, um, every time that you are supposed to turn the page of the comic book, it says word. Yeah. You can look at the video on, on YouTube. It's just all animated by Kyle Baker. It's awesome. <sighs> well, can, can I, I don't mean to, like, I know we're just, I just I'm afraid we're going to run out of time. Like, can no, I, go ahead, Frank. Okay, I just want to ask, I have this, I have two, like, formal questions for, I'm like, you know, the structure guy, so I got to ask, I got to ask them both these formal questions. The Chester guy. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, uh, Michael, I'd like to, you know, like, with lose number two, you know, like you use this uh, basically a grid, but it was like you know a three tier grid, and then you sometimes went nine panels. Mm -hmm. And um, to me, like what's interesting is like when someone when when there's a six panel grid, you know, if listeners can follow along. Like if the page is divided into six equal panels, three tiers with two each on each tier, there's no center panel. Right. But like when you use a nine-panel grid or a three-tier grid, you have this center panel, and so you're, you know, the center panel on most of those pages really holds the page, and there's like a real, I mean, the pacing is real specific, but like that panel is often em emblematic of sort of the, the, the page, uh, uh, you know, of itself, and like, I just wondered, you know, what, you know, when you made your choices with the sequencing and how you like compress time really nicely, like, it's like this slow, creepy movie, and like, you know, I, it's not a grid. It doesn't move in this kind of like static way for me. It really moves, unfolds in this very uh, enjoyable, but kind of, you know, the subject matter too. But it's, I think it's a really nice foil counterpoint to like the kind of imagery, you know. And I just wondered if you could talk about the sequencing and the pacing, because like that center panel just always does it for me. Oh, yeah. Well, thanks. Like, uh, yeah, like I worked, I worked really hard on. I, I get really anal retentive about the pages. It's also partially why I use a grid for everything um, instead of like any crazy like Alex Nino pages or anything. But like I, uh, yeah. So I, I would always try to think of it as like the way the, like the way the pages work as a spread, and I'd always try to like make it look kind of symmetrical. And yeah, I just I don't know. I think it's just because I'm super anal. I want all the angles to line up and the everything to seem symmetrical or yeah yeah any specific storytelling choices w with the with the middle panel oh um i don't think so i think that's just sort of how it played out like i like the middle just because i like symmetry the middle would have focus and i would you know i would take out panels or add panels when when i actually did the page I'd, you know i'd thumb it all out but then when i was actually drawing it it changed a lot um just because the weight I'd want to put on one panel would change from the thumbnails, yeah. So it's just good accidents from 
Yeah, everything Which I do. Is, I like the way the nine, the nine panel grid, you know, like, you know, a lot of, and this is what I, and then I'm going to segue into Brandon, but it's just like a lot of comics artists give up the middle of the page and the grid kind of just cuts out the middle. If you use a standard grid, six panel comic book size, you know, you're losing the complete middle of the page. And so there's something there in those choices that I, you know, like, there's something I focus on on the middle of the page, and same with Brandon's pages. You know, he's not using a grid per se, but he has a lot of the three-tier horizontal movement. And um, and it's just like this is, I'm not, I don't think this is something like across the board, but it's just uh, something I noticed in both of your, your guys' work is that there's like it really holds the center, holds the page, and maintains that feeling that's prevalent on the page. Well, something but, I kind of noticed in Stray Bullets, the way like, I feel like because my page is are kind of anal about the way they're designed that like I don't know you uh, I feel like it, it seems more constructed but I was reading Stray Bullets and like there's that sort of split right down the middle um, and it's just sort of like like it's just sort of like two columns um, and I felt like I read I actually felt like I was more in that world than I think someone might feel reading my comics where they're really aware that everything is being constructed and laid out and Stray Bullets I felt I was it was like watching a movie or something. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. Can I switch to Brandon real fast? I, I can't do the grid, because I'm so... I guess I, I read too much manga. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do it sometimes, just to bring it back. You know, I actually, I do I do some page layouts where I'm like, you know, this is where I'm like, all right, I'm going to try to do a Toth page, and I'm going to try to do like a Pope page, or I'm going to try to do a Shiro page. But uh, I'm, I'm really well, obsessed with Shiro's layouts lately. I feel like he's like just heads above everyone else as far as his weird storytelling tricks that he does and it, i think it gets lost on a lot of people because he's doing you know cyborg cop comics but then you just like look at how he does it and it's so impressive i'm sorry what were you gonna say frank i just want to <laughs> ask you about your te like the t your use of text and i mean like you, i know listeners might not know this one but in in king city seven um when uh, when the Catmaster goes to get the girl's brains and uh, you use this thing where, like, the text is, like, it goes on the left-hand side of the, the page, like, there she is, and then I only want her for her brains, and then you're down the left-hand side of the page, and then as you look across the middle panel of the girl, then there's, like, and it says something like, and then I see the, the guy's feet behind the curtain, and then there's an arrow, and you go back up into the... Right, the arrow points back up to the... But because you don't have text boxes that really separate the text like my eye doesn't go to the text boxes first so it's the text is integrated into the image and then so i'm reading the image reading the text and the image together and then like that trick worked like i went i didn't see the guy's feet you know what i mean in the in the first panel and then i didn't read that text block you know like before i read the image and like to me that was awesome like the way you're putting the text in the images together and like leading the eye is like way better than like these text blocks that just sort of stand off the page thank you, know? you. i think a lot of that for me is like there's that really exciting thing of like you know like tom herpick does it a lot and like like dash shaw does it a lot of just like like comic book tricks it's like juggling you know what I mean? It's like all the, like, what can we do with words and pictures? And it's, it's really exciting when you, like, sometimes I'll just take a sketchbook and, like, um, I was talking before, I, I helped uh, my, my lady letter her, her Beast book, and just, I would just scoot around the word balloons on the page, and I was really amazed at how much it changed the storytelling just by, like, where it was. And sometimes, and, and I got really excited, and I, would, like, took my sketchbook, and I was like, what happens if you had a character that just talked with, the, you know, the, the balloons are always, like, 
you know, the words are at the bottom of the balloon, or, or Michael was talking earlier about how he's going to have a character with the word balloon blocking their face always. And there's, there's so many cool tricks you can do. Well, I think, like, yeah, totally. With that yeah, too, I'm having this thing now because I'm doing, like, these airbrush comics, and, like, when it's just, like, those old 80s comics where you have, like, the acetate layer with the, you know, like, the white word balloons floating there. Right. And it's really strange because, uh, you know, like, I don't, it's really ugly, and that's my thing against painted comics is that you're not, you know, putting the balloon in with the drawing. It's like this extra layer, and so yeah, when I did the Silver Surfer comic, like me, Jim Rugg was helping me, and like we figured out a way of it's like I was able to just really have text floating in space or whatever, and it's still red, and I didn't have to have a balloon with like making this white space and like deep, you know, in deep purple space or whatever. So totally. just stuff like that is like I'm. But, you know, you're working in black and white also, and, you know, so there's, like, these tonality things you can use. But it's just, like, a lot of that is so, you know, dependent on, like, you know, if you're using color, if you're using black and white, like, you know, yeah, how... I'm going, I'm going all color next, actually. Really? Yeah, I'm doing a That's thing. super exciting. Multiple warheads with Oni. But my color palettes are very limited, too. You know, I just, I, I do a lot of very kind of Mobius-style thing. I was actually, I was, I was looking at Cold Heat, thinking about how cool it is, how the entire set, I don't know... How, how planned this was, but it, for me, it feels like reading a, the closest thing a comic book could be to like a, a band poster in like sequential form, which is well, really exciting. Well, Frank, didn't you intern or, or like I, in one of the Ink Studs things? Didn't you work with Kazik or? Yeah, like no one knows who this is anymore. But you know, there was you know in the mid '90s, like you know, there was this poster artist named Frank Kozik who you know had a record label called, named Man's Ruin, yeah. but had a lot of Melvins. Nice. And but he's. You know, yeah, he was great, and he, you know, I, I, yeah, I, I worked for him, and I thought a lot about like, you know, images and poster art, and you know, I've always, you know, I thought about the image, you know, the, the page is an image on itself and simultaneity and whatever the fuck it's called, and like, you know, just trying to like think about that stuff. But yeah, Kozik was kind of a, you know, like a secret influence of mine for for years, like him and the painter David Sally actually, like because you huh. could just. A, appropriate all this image imagery and just like collage it together and make a cartoon narrative and put the text at weird places at the bottom and do stuff that it's like postery but not necessarily you know doesn't lose the comics narrative totally. so oh, I, I wanted to, i wanted to bug you too about you got aaron comet bus doing lettering which to me is the coolest thing in the universe that's cool yeah man punk rock yeah, yeah. i mean i've known aaron i've been pen pals with aaron forever like that guy actually ruined kerouac for me because i was reading on the road and then i read comet bus and i Right. This is better. Right, right, right <laughs> it's the real story, you know. But uh, no, Aaron's real. I mean, Aaron and I have shared a studio, a summer studio in New York City, you know, uh, for ten years. You know, so I know I knew him for ten years before we ever met in person, and then nice. um, we just shared a studio. So it was just kind of it's nice because like my studio is empty. Like I have no comics in my studio, and like you know he doesn't have any books. We just are empty room writing. Two thousand one. Crazy. You got comics there now, right? I, you know, I mean, I bring stuff in. Like when I last time I was in New York, like I, I Dash and I went to uh, Time Machine and bought a bunch of crap. But like, what about your bathroom? Do you have comics in your bathroom? <laughs> I, I, you know what I have in the bathroom is that giant, like one of those giant mangas from Japan. Like my friend came back from Japan, and like you know, so. This is a talk Brandon and I have frequently. Is uh, the comics you really like are the ones that are in your bathroom. There's a there's a genre which is shit taking comics I think. <laughs> oh, I talked to friends of mine about it and it's like different for different people. Like some friends like really want kind of a bad comic. Hmm. Right now I've got the uh, Batman in Scotland by Frank Quitely. 
Uh, Michael? I, I, I usually just have like a, like I have a bunch of like Nancy stuff or like like anything that's like funny. I can't when I and I get upset like well, I have funny things and I have like Nancy stuff but I also have like I have like Lisa Hanawalt's comic I want you yeah. and like I don't know if that's insulting or not but like I need stuff that's like funny. For the only case. Johnny Ryan in the best. Yeah. <laughs> Johnny Ryan stuff is taking this awesome like cosmic horror turn, which I'm really excited about. Like, oh yeah. His recent strips for for Vice are like so dark and like yeah, like nihilistic and. I haven't read Prison Pit yet. Oh yeah, it's like yeah. The fir- you haven't read the first one yet? No. Is that legal? <laughs> I, I haven't actually read it yet either. I look at it a what? lot. What? That's it. You, I'm, awesome. I'm reaching through the phone and beating you both. Well, that's, oh, that's the, the, I'll probably get a mean email from yeah, Fanographics so. after this. <laughs> Isn't that all I send you? Well, yeah. no, but you could get number two now and just read straight through. Well, you know what's crazy about comics is, too, is it like... Like, I read comics all day, every day, no matter what I'm doing, and, like, there's still a ton of great shit that I haven't gotten to yet, which is insane. It's not like I'm too busy to read comics. Like, I read, like, 200 pages of it a day. So it's it's an exciting time. Well, that's a... We're, we're getting close to the end, so that kind of leads into question. What is exciting you for comics right now, all three of you? At once? <laughs> yeah. Go, go, Mike. Oh, me? Oh, I don't know. Like, I feel like I'm excited about the same things I was excited about when I found them a year or two ago. Like, uh, I'm really liking finding weird Alex Nino issues. I reorganized my stuff, and I was looking through this Omega Man issue he did. And, yeah, anything where, like, the... I guess I'm interested in the way people organize information. And, um, yeah, like, I like Dan Zetwatch for the same reason, like, on the other side of the coin, because... It's just a really interesting way of laying out a page or presenting a ton of information, and I get annoyed at myself that I can't pull off some of those things. Or yeah, there's only one dance at walk. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Clone him, Brandon. Um, man, that's a, that's a big question. I I was thinking about um, there's that there's a, a poster that Jaime Hernandez did that says if the scene sucks it's because you suck, and I've been really excited about that lately about how. For the first time, like, you know, I've been doing comic books my entire life as far as I as long as I remember. And like for the first time in my life as far as far as my own work, people are paying attention. And that's really exciting to me that like there's there's readers now and then there's guys like, you know, like Michael and, and James Stoko and like these and you know, and my, my Mrs. Marion Churchland who are just like doing a new type of comics for me. It's like I, I cannot believe how cool the industry is right now and how and, and how much better it can get still. Frank? Word up. Yeah, I mean, I, I hate to sound really corny, but I mean, I think preparing for this interview and everything, I read a lot of King Cities, and I read a lot of uh, Michael's uh, minis and, and Lou's, and um, I'm really excited about those guys, and, you know, I can't say how, I, I mean, I enjoy King City, like, immensely, and I, and I don't, you know, it's almost, it's embarrassing, like, it, you make me, I literally throw the fucking book across the room every <laughs> once in a while, because, like, I'm so mad at, like, in one page, you can just pull this gag off and it's beautifully drawn it's it's like the 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 dialogue is in contrapuntal you know rhythm to the images there's so much i just can't believe it and i'm like fuck like how does he come up with this fucking shit and then and then the same thing happens with michael like i look through his books and it's just like i just want to give up like i can't draw like that like i can't do that like i i'm never going to be able to draw funny like that i'm never going to be able to make marks like that i'm never going to be able to tell, tell a story like that and i just want to be like i just want to you know it's like it's inspiring to me but it's also like it's 
I don't want to say, like, it makes me want to get to the drawing board to, like, say, like, well, that's what I can do or whatever, but it's, like, this really exciting thing that makes me, you know, want to do comics. And, like, you know, and, like, you guys are just, like, my favorite shit right now, to be honest. So, I mean, it's... Uh, I love you, too. It, yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Well, i got to thank all of you for coming on. It's, uh, it's been really great. Um, I really wish we had more time. Unfortunately, another show has to come on now. Same time next week. The same yeah. bat time, same bat channel. I can stick around another week. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, if only. If only. Um, Thanks, Robin. Thank you, Frank. And thank you, Brandon. Certainly, yeah. Thanks. Thank you, Michael. Yeah, this Thanks is like for a, an honor stopping to be by on your journey. It's honor uh, to be with these, these esteemed panelists. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, it's not often I get a chance to have... Uh, Someone so excellent. We didn't even get to my Garcia Lopez talk I want to do. Oh, man, that's oh, amazing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you guys so much. My computer's really slow right now. I don't know why nothing's working. <laughs> just sing. Just, just sing. Why aren't you playing? Oh, I Come should mention on. that uh, I'm doing oh. a, a signing in Portland. Soon. Oh, that's right. In on the second. On the fifth. The fifth. Floating world. There we go. Well, Wonderful floating world. I've been wanting, wanting to visit that place. That it's, sounds awesome. It's such a cool story. Me and Simon Roy, who does uh, Deanne's Atomic Heart, is an amazing cartoonist. Ah, uh, there we go. Go down. I do love Deanne's Atomic Heart. Another fusion guy. Check it out, Frank. Wicka wicka. Wicka wicka. Word up. Bye guys. See ya.